Hello and welcome to the Wolf Den Podcast, your home for competitive Digimon TCG discussion and news. I'm your host, Nako, joined by my co-host, Sunitsu. This week, we will be discussing the top cut in Carta Magica, Ultimate Cup events, and what we think this means about the state of the current meta. Listen to us on your favorite podcasting networks, available now on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Link in the description below or find us at Wolf Den Digimon TCG. On top of that, this is also streamed regularly on Twitch uh, over at twitch.tv slash Zenitsu, and it's also uploaded on YouTube as a video under the YouTube channel of Zenitsu. For our viewer question of the week, this week's question is, what is your favorite jank deck? Uh, so I'll lead the charge because I usually make a whole bunch of jank decks, and I've actually been enjoying Hina Dragons uh, quite a lot, probably more than I should, just because that deck is kind of fun, but it is really jank. Like, that deck lives or dies based on Hina and Hina alone because she just enables your plays. Um, obviously, the more Hinas you have, the stronger the deck is going to be, uh, but the struggle is really in the early game, just getting your Hinas and setting them up and doing all that other stuff. That's the real true jankiness of the deck because it's searches are on its level 4s, and its plays, like, play the Hina, is on its level 5s. Usually, a lot of the time, it's, like, one stage down, where its searches are on its level 3s, and its plays are on its level 4s, or its 5s, depending on the deck. So, it is a little bit jank, and then just the alteration between turning your on plays into when Digivolves is just super unique and interesting to me. Um, on top of just splashing in Dorbikmon and Ragnar Lordmon, the deck can do a lot, but it does stumble in a lot of areas, making it kind of janky. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's, that almost is outside of my description of, like, true jank, because it's, I don't know if it's topped anything, but I've at least seen it at online events, so I wouldn't necessarily call anything that I've played against in a tournament super jank, but, um... It was that deck at least did cause one of the more interesting judge calls because my opponent wasn't sure if the uh, Hina Dragons deck uh, was turned off by Venuspawn. The answer is it's not because technically it's not a when digivolving effect. It is a you know when it digivolves you use the ability of the Tamer, which Venusmon doesn't care about, so it completely goes around all of Venusmon. Um, if you ever find yourself in that matchup, which I doubt. But my favorite jank deck would probably have to be Bagra Army, only because of just how just horrible the package is at the moment. But what the deck is trying to do, I really appreciate. I like the idea of having control over your opponent's action or the ability to influence them on their turn in ways that aren't super oppressive, I guess, and tries to do that the problem is is that right now the deck really doesn't have any legs to stand on and it doesn't even look like in the future it'll have many legs to stand on and it just kind of turns into a pseudo rookie rush deck utilizing the save mechanic that's yeah that's fair i i kind of got that impression like its win conditions are interesting um but it isn't explosive and a lot of these like decks that are usually performing well either are super explosive or they just have some good consistent damage and control and that's something i don't think that 
deck has particularly. Yeah, if if the deck had a means of just kind of a natural evolution path and wasn't forced to be a digicross deck, I think it would be a lot better, but it's just kind of not the way that the mechanics operate and not the way that the deck is intended to operate. And obviously, BT-11 is kind of a whole other animal with Black War Greymon running around killing your tamers, anything that relies upon having sources underneath tamers to use for Digicross to then give sources to your on-play Digimon are just significantly worse because of that. So the deck basically doesn't exist in any format. I mean, outside of just fun casual play, but yeah, we're we're here for more. Yeah, we're here for more competitive. Yeah. So, um, moving to the topic of today, we have two more tournaments to discuss. Three full events of data now. Um, top sixteen, obviously, we never get any more than that. But um, three top sixteens, a, a complete enough picture for us to really figure out where people's perceptions of the meta is in the direction it's currently moving and really just we have the capability now to fully explain everything and figure out what we want to see moving forward yeah so um i'm gonna start with the card of magicka data um there was uh 260 players seven rounds uh, and the top 16 breakdown goes as follows. Uh, the grand winner of that event was Examon, followed by Metal Guru in second place. Third place is Security Control. Fourth place is Hydramon or Bloom Hydra. Um, fifth place is Metal Guru. Sixth place is Bloom Lord Hydra. Uh, seventh place is Metal Guru. Uh, eighth place is Security Control. Ninth place is Metal Guru. Uh, 10th place is Dorbikmon. Uh, shout out to that player. Um, 11th place is Security Control. 12th place is Wargrey X. Uh, 13th place is another Security Control. 14th is Yellow Hybrids. 15th is Mastimon. And 16th is Yellow Hybrids. Then shifting gears over to the um, Top Cut Ultimate Cup. Uh, this one was a little bit larger of an event. 450 players, 8 rounds. Um, first place went to Metal Guru. Second place, Metal Guru. Third, Metal Guru. Fourth, Metal Guru. Fifth, Metal Guru. Sixth, uh, Bloomlord Hydra. Seventh, Bloomlord Hydra. Eighth, Gaiomon, or Black War Greymon. Um, ninth, Metal Guru. Eleventh, Security Control. Uh, or, that was tenth. Uh, 11th is Metal Guru, uh, 12th is Blue Flare, 13th is Security Control, 14th is Yellow Hybrid, 15th is Hydra or Bloomlord Hydra, and then 16th is another Yellow Hybrid. So, a couple new decks introduced into the fray, um, but we're seeing the, the pyramid sort of consolidate towards the top at this point. We're seeing some clear meta calls have been made and it seems as though those haven't been super wrong uh the big takeaway is um security control uh bloom lord and wargray are like really good contenders to the metal guru dominance 
if you're curious on how dominant Metal Guru is right now, uh, out of all of the three North American events, uh, it has appeared 15 times, um, and that makes up around 31% of the um, top 16 representation. When accounting for placing, it's slightly more skewed with 41%, but um, we don't have full data on uh, match win-loss percentages, so we can't assign a more accurate measure at this point in time, because, you know, technically, like, the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th person are all one loss, potentially, but we All don't... the way down to at least ninth yeah. place. That's what I Because, mean, like... like, Dan, uh, in the finals, he was playing Metal Groove versus Metal Groove, he lost and then got bumped all the way down to ninth place. Yeah, exactly, so they're basically exclusively deter... Um, uh, differentiated by opponent win loss percentage, so they have no control over that. They went, they w lost one round, and did they just show up here somewhere, um, in some order? So, uh, without that knowledge, we can't more accurately judge it. But it at least just skews the data towards the top a bit because Melga X is more towards the completely undefeated or the one loss category as you know, some of your um, other decks are more towards your barely making top 16, but they're still included in the same data set. Right, because we just saw back-to-back -back two events as an example. Yellow Hybrids placed this exact same in both of the events all the way at the bottom of top 16. So it could squeak in, it's just having a hard time uh, being any higher for some reason. Well, and again, having the... Like, I have a hunch that that's probably... I don't know if there's any X2s that make top 16. I highly doubt it. I think... Yeah, it might be like an X1-1. One one. One one. That's yeah. what I mean, like, because Yellow Hybrid's fairly likely to tie against something like a SecCon or itself. So, um, if it sees just one of those opponents, which now there seems to be a higher likelihood of it doing so, then... They just tie, and they end up towards the tail end of the top 16, not, you know, the top 5. Right. Because, uh, obviously, we know the speed and power of Metal Guru, and then uh, Wargrey is decent into Metal Guru, and it's also really decent into uh, Bloomlord and Security Control at the same time, which is why it's as high up here uh, in terms of representation and overall power percentage. Uh, and why it's been doing well when we do see it in top 16. Uh, obviously, like outliers like Eximon could be just the opponents lined up. Um, I know for uh, reading some Reddit threads, uh, the Eximon player faced five uh, Metal Gurus and beat all five Metal Gurus. So maybe that means that it's positive into Metal Guru. Uh, and then the other matchups it had um, seemed to also be in its favor but it's having a struggle against some of the other decks like Security Control, which we're seeing a higher percentage of. So, like, this is just what's becoming of the meta, is these top four decks just are making up the majority of what the meta is and defining it, and then the other decks are just, uh, I don't want to say fighting for pennies, because they're all doing very well in their own rights, but they are not as good into the top four as the top four are into them. 
we're also just kind of seeing the natural consolidation that comes with an establishment of a meta, right? Earlier on, people were less objectively likely to be correct when they say, okay, this is the best deck, and this deck is good into that deck, so I can just play that deck. We weren't sure what people were going to bring. There was a higher likelihood of more people bringing a larger spread of decks in general. And now as we, you know, by the third event especially, I mean, they happened pretty close to each other, like a day after each other, but by this set of events, at least, three events, decidedly enough data to just be able to say, okay, this is what the meta is, and now everyone's perception on it is built upon at least a place of the previous data and less upon what they think is it is. At least now they can fairly accurately um, figure out what they're likely to see. Obviously, there's still some randomness involved. You know, like, some people have played against Melga X, you know, five out of seven rounds or the like, and then they basically, so you just kind of have to pick something preparing to play Melga X roughly 50% of the time or more, you know? Yeah, the last event that I participated in, which was the Top Cup one, uh, about half of my matches were the Mirror, and as the Mirror, there's not really a whole lot that I can do. Uh, there are, like, some minor techs that I can include for the Mirror, but that does affect my matchups against some of the other decks. Um, so I have to keep that in mind, and unfortunately, I lost a good portion of those 50-50s. Uh, and the thing on like about Melga is the matchups aren't like blowout one-sided like 100% of the time. Uh, it does see some really good hands and does have some decent consistency, but it still can stumble at times. So it's not this unbeatable god of a deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, but it, it just has some staying power because it has a couple of good protections that, are, that just still uh, remove certain decks as like viability like so you've, you're seeing setcon do very well um as more people play melga x people will perform better on average with setcon because that matchup um is still hard for melga x to just win outwardly they have to you know do more with the resources they have and it's much easier for them to make incorrect lines of play that end up putting them in a losing position so, especially back to back yeah and so what you but you what you're not seeing here is something like um crap like uh the hell that was a purple deck which deck are you talking about the one that purple deck uses option cards all revolving around the number seven uh bellstar yeah bellstar you don't see Bellstar control anywhere because Bellstar just... Or Bealstar. Bealstar. It just doesn't matter because even with the blue package that they could now theoretically run and usually, I guess, would if anyone was still playing the deck, um, most of their cards are just strict kill cards that Melga ignores. So the deck's just absolutely nowhere. Forgot the name of the deck. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, I mean, they're, they're still kill cards and Melga does have to pay attention to them. It's just... The, the difference is they have a finite security and security control doesn't. Yeah. So Melga, like a lot of aggro decks, 
does have very precise damage counts that it likes to work in the realm of. So anything that gets outside of those damage counts and can like really start to screw it up uh, really makes it harder for Melga to be able to win, which is why we're not seeing Grandis on these top 16s at all, is because Grandis, if they're literally not running the red package, they are absolutely terrible into security control. And even against yellow hybrids, like, oh, one early Mastim, or not Mastimon, um, Venusmon play, um, one early Venusmon play could really screw them up. Mm-hmm. So... It's just these top performing decks and the decks that we're seeing consistently are in the top 16 for a very particular reason. So, as I said, it's kind of that consolidation of people experimented with other decks. They saw success with some of them, and some of them didn't see as much success. And now we're seeing people gravitate towards the decks that have previously seen success. I don't need to guess which green deck I should play, I just look at the last couple of events and say, okay, well, it's decidedly, like, Bloom Lord Hydramon. Like, that, that's the deck. I don't play Grandis, I play the other one. So, there's, you know, the, the number of players playing Grandis goes down. The likelihood of seeing Grandis goes down. You don't need to guess whether you should play War Grey X or Gallant. You, you just kind of, like, okay... Wargrey X is just performing better. If I want to play a red deck, I'm playing Wargrey X. And the same is uh, when it goes to preparing against the decks, which is why this data is kind of like nice to take a look at, is because, okay, if I am preparing for an event, what am I actually likely to see? Well, obviously the big answer is you're going to see a lot of Melga, but you're also going to see a decent amount of security control, which is why something like Wargrey X is doing so well, because it has a decent matchup into both of them. So that's actually a good meta call. Now, if you actually see those is to be determined, but you have a higher likelihood of seeing them. And if you're comfortable with those matches, um, then you're going to have a better time or ideally a better time uh, performing in that said event. Mm-hmm. And you really, you have to be prepared for the full spread. You can't necessarily, like Melga X is a large percentage of the meta and some players have, you know, one or topped events playing almost exclusively against Melga, but you still have to be prepared for other matchups. You can't play a deck that only beats Melga and just loses to security control, like Grandis, as we mentioned. Like, you have to play something that it can be prepared for both, or can, and then, you know, not necessarily tech for some of the slightly lower-tiered matchups, but at least be familiar with the matchups, knowing how to play around them, or at least not just play into them outwardly, and understanding their capabilities and their lines of play, and, um just so that you don't accidentally lose a match that you could have won, but you just, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, Worker X checked for that many security at once. Like, I I thought I was safe. I thought, you know, oh, he has to have Blitz Omni to win. And then, okay, well, actually, he just won without the Blitz Omni. Like, I just, I counted wrong. But, or you think they're prepared for like, oh, I'm prepared for Blitz Omni, and then out comes Omni X, and it's just like, oh, you still oops. Lose. <laughs> yeah, you still lose for the same reasons, just different card. Doesn't matter how much memory they have, like, um, so, um, 
you don't necessarily have to be prepared for the like the fewer down like so outside you're kind of getting into the the fringes a little bit it is a pretty tight top end of the meta right now you can prepare for what like 50 percent of the meta if you just count if you count for just three decks so you just count for melga Setcon, hydra and you're kind of just there that's 50 percent of the total top percentage and probably a little bit more than that if you account for all the people that played the deck and didn't top because again that's something we don't have yeah, we're only as good as the data that we're given. I wish we had full event uh, data coverage. Uh, that would be really nice to have a better picture and understanding. But for what we have, it's still a pretty good indicative picture. Because uh, I know something like D-Brigades, even though it hasn't done exuberantly well, uh, it's still a deck that you'd have to at least consider just because of the accessibility of the deck. Also might make it something a lot of players flock to and feel comfortable with taking into events. Even though I think it has a terrible matchup into Metal Guru, which is the number one deck, it does have a decent matchup into something like Security Control. So that's something to take into consideration. Genuinely no flame here, because I, I had it on in the background. Uh, did you lose to Commandermon at the last event? Uh, I lost to one. Okay. I, I know you played into it. I didn't know if you won or lost. Uh, I think <laughs> it's heavily into Melga's favor. Um, it's just, like I said, when Melga doesn't see its pieces or it's ever so slightly off, that's when other decks could really like take advantage of it if they're firing on all cylinders. Like, I almost lost to a Gallant player, um, and I didn't realize like the damage potential that Gallant had to just rip my security to shreds uh, and still not be afraid of anything. And I almost lost that match just because I was moving a hair slower than my opponent. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's literally the niche that Rookie Rush, now D-Brigade, occupy is any deck, regardless of really what it is, if they just falter a little bit on their pieces, if they don't see exactly what they want to see, that's exactly when you are taken advantage of something or buy a deck such as D-Brigade because... They, they swarm, they flood, they're like, do you have it yet? Do you have it yet? Oh, the game's over. Who cares? You, you, you never had the opportunity to see it. And a lot of the new pieces actually aren't necessarily being used as prevalently as some people might think. Um, just because the level 6, while it's really good, uh, you need to see your level 5 and you're only playing 4 of that because you are focused on rookie rushing. You're not focused on trying to evolve up this chain. So uh, if you see that six without the five, then that does become a brick in your hand. And that's something you don't want to see that often. So that's why a lot of these uh, deeper gate decks, even though you can't physically see them on screen or anything. Um, <laughs> that's why a lot of these uh, lists aren't necessarily running more into the new stuff. And they're just using some of the smaller pieces from the new stuff as just good complementary parts to what the deck was already trying to do. Because the other thing is, if you're also running those new parts and pieces, that's taking away from um, your slots in your deck that you could be running for more impactful option cards to actually try to protect your security. So, I know a lot of this is fairly repetitive, but, I mean, the same decks continue to do well, so there's not a whole lot of new information to be gleaned in that specific category. But... Um, we are kind of seeing a rerun of BT9 here, but with more Setcon, because Alphamon 
doesn't exist anymore to kind of run away with it. Um, Seccon, honestly, as much as um, not many people really are, I guess, in favor of the Alphamon restriction. A lot of people weren't too happy that it went away, actually. Um, it really just shows what the BT9 meta could have been minus Alphamon. Um, I, I mean, even if you just think about all of the bans and restrictions that we had going into uh, what is right now EX3, like, they all had decent Metal Guru matchups to bring it down on in line with everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, I know for a fact Alphamon is a very hard matchup for Guru. Um, it's favored in Alphamon's favor, uh, in mm -hmm. Alphamon's corner. Um, I know that Crosshearts, with the inclusion of their option... Um, definitely helps check Guru, and it has that rookie rush potential to just out-damage and outpace them and not even care. Uh, then if you look at even just as late as the hybrid stuff, um, Yellow Hybrids still is pretty good into Guru just because Venusmon does just do a lot of work, and that was the easiest way to get into a Venusmon and have that Venusmon be as impactful as it could. Yeah, I guess that is one thing that we maybe haven't... Uh spoken too much about is just the fact that yellow hybrids refuses to die like it just shows how well yellow hybrids would have could have should have been into metal x assuming that it hadn't gotten restricted you know as crossfire from the cross arts restrictions you know oh i still think jet selfie needed to get hit that card's disgusting I mean, it's more of the power of venusmon more than anything even just like I, obviously, it, it really goes to show how strong Venusmon is, that the fact the deck still exists at all. But I mean, because they're minus Sunrise Buster and minus Jet Silphy, and they're still the fifth best deck. Yes. So, even if you just replace one or the other, like, so Jet Silphy was more of a problem for the hybrid engine as a whole, but Sunrise Buster, so even if you just have, you know, a hybrid deck with four Sunrise Buster... And I think you see Melga coming way down because that matchup is just awful for them. Yeah, the second um, Venusmon hits the table, uh, things start going south really quickly because uh, you're reliant on your security attack plus one in order to be able to, you know, deal the damage mm -hmm. necessary to keep up. And the deck still has some good recovery to put you off your damage. And then Venusmon takes advantage of security attack plus and minus. Uh, so it doesn't even matter. So it's like, oh, if you literally don't have a option, an X-Antibody option underneath your Garurumon, um, you're just stuck. Like, mm -hmm. that's at least from my personal experience, uh, you are just stuck. Um, and I learned uh, through my misplay that the attack plus and attack minus technically don't cancel each other out and go yeah. away. Uh, they both still exist, so don't make the same mistake I did. Thinking you don't even uh, really have an option happened. sometimes. Like you have to keep going, and by keep by continuing the aggression by digivolving, you eventually turn on the inheritable ability that just shuts the rest of your on digivolve and when attacking triggers off. Right. So it's um, yeah, it's just an interesting position for yellow hybrids to be in because yellow hybrids has been for the most part, pretty absent until now. So, 
just an interesting point here because I know we literally just went and we were saying how Wargrey X is great into both Sekkon and Melga X. But because of the inclusion of Venusmon, there is a small window of time. There's at least some nuance to the matchup where, I mean, I guess every matchup into Sekkon is, is nuanced. None of them are like strictly one or the other. But Wargrey X has a very defined window of opportunity because if they get put in a position where they are under pressure of Venus, then they're also in a pretty bad spot, even into Setcon, because they get themselves, the, you know, the security pluses and whatnot. So, um, they really have to operate at a timetable or remove the Venusmon to give an opportunity for them to actually, you know, punch the security with the threshold that they need to. Right. Um, like... Yeah. That just goes to show how good Venusmon is as a card. Yeah, Venusmon is uh, enabling two decks, really, right now, out of the top four. Uh, yes. Because uh, right now, I think that, like, for all of the hype that DeathX had, uh, we're still in single-stack meta mode, where the majority of the decks just wants to just use one big stack and then just do their thing. Um, which, again, is not making... Death X is super strong. It does have some good matchups against some of the other lower decks and is still a very powerful card when it hits the table, don't get me wrong. It's just we're still in single stack mode, so the the demand for uh a card like Death X isn't necessarily as prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really do it it does nothing at all, honestly, in the Melga X matchup. It's it's absolutely a dead card for the most part. And into Seccon, it's usually not great. They really don't have that wide of a field. I mean, they have a lot of tamers. Uh, they, it would be the tamers, yeah. It's more good against like some of the other control decks, uh, and then the off um, aggro decks like D Brigade. But also, you know, how frequently are you running death? I guess it just more speaks to the decks that would find an advantageous position by running it, just already aren't running it, you know? Melga X isn't running it. Wargrey X isn't running it. So, you know, who really cares if, oh, it's Setcon, I can play my Death X, but you're already not running it anyway, unless you are Setcon, and then you're sad. Yeah, and uh, the ironic thing is I haven't seen any Hydra Mon slash Bloomlord to really... I still haven't seen one. Um, Through all of the events that I participated in, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen one, so I can't really speak personally about the matchup outside of the hypotheticals and theoreticals uh but it it also seems to be another really good uh deck more so because of hydramon giving it that control element that it really needed into those other decks where it's just like okay i'm gonna swing and now your digimon is suspended you can't you lose memory i gain memory your turn is over for your one attack so like it's just another deck that seems like it would be good into melga x as well and because of the Bloom Lord stuff, just being the aggro side of it, which it already had, um, just makes it a good contention uh, deck to be able to just be a sword and shield style of deck. I've even so, I mean, we call the deck Bloom Hydra. It is Bloom Hydra. I there there are no decks that are running Hydra that don't run Bloom Lord. It is technically more correct to call them like just Bloom Hydra Lord. because. If you were just to classify a deck by its, you know, premier mega, but, um, like, obviously, you don't call Mastamon 
Mastamon, Creepymon, whatever, like, because you're still running mostly Mastamons. Um, and, but one of the, the trends I did notice from the, because we have enough Hydramon lists, at least to, like, go over them in, in some mount and, like, critique the deck list specifically and, like, peep, like or at least look at the differences, they are more often Hydramon weighted, I guess, like, because of Melga, because of what Melga's done to the meta as far as the aggression that comes out, like, more often you just kind of want to, like, get to a Hydra and then, you know, breathe a sigh of relief and then, you know, try and do something else after. Uh, I'm just taking a quick look at the lists. A lot of them are running at least three Hydras, so that way, like, they at least have a solid chance of seeing one Hydra per game, which usually yeah. is all that they really need. Um, mm -hmm. Just because Melka, usually against a flooded field, can't bounce the level sixes, which is where it kind of struggles against these go-wide decks, which is what Bloom Lord was trying to do, where it's just like, oh, I'm going to play three Digimon off of Digivolving all the way up. Um, you're going to bounce the smallest thing, and that's okay. Even if you bounce the two smallest things, that's still okay. Yeah, that's what I'm... So, like, if you look at the, the three deck lists from Top Cut, they're the 6th, 7th, and 15th. 6th place... 3 Hydra, 3 Bloomlord, 7th, 3 Hydra, 2 Bloomlord, 1 Reflegemon, 15th is 4 Bloomlord, 2 Nidhogg, 1 Hydra. So the 15th is the only one that has decided to go very Bloomlord-focused, less Hydra-focused. Um, But they are traditionally running more, like I guess if you even include the Carta... Yeah, place. the Carta, the sixth place is running four and three, uh, four Bloomlord, three Hydra, and then one that's, Shivamon. That's more probably of like for the, the standard ratio is the four Bloom, three Hydra. Yeah, I think the Shivamon tech is mostly just for anti-security control. Just, mm -hmm. hey, leave my board alone. If you see it, you're happy. Yeah, and then the fourth place list is another four, three split in Bloomlord's favor. Mm -hmm. Um. But Cherrymon is just a good card that they're running also yep. that could help yeah, shut off a lot of potential Cherrymon. aggro. So, like, Cherrymon is kind of doing what Examon wants to do, where it's just like, you're going to... I know you're going to be attacking, but I'm just going to redirect it to my biggest thing, so that way you actually can't really aggress uh, the way that you want. Yeah. So And because it's not blocker, it does get around certain uh, forms of, like, anti-blockerness. Yeah, I mean, not that there's a whole lot of, like, delete blocker, bounce blocker, whatever, specifically. I know some of the older design was based around whether it's something had blocker or not, but um, they're also running a decent amount of, you know, Somda Somtis. Um, two, 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 yeah, they all run, or three, two, two, three, and... Um, This one's not running any, but this one's the one like the more Bloomlord focused one. Yeah, and some of them are running two. Grand Assault. They're all running Green Memory Boost and Mimi. Like it, it's it's yeah, not oh, like this the deck still is two like Grand Assault. Yeah, so yeah, um, it's not like the deck is unknown by any stretch of the word. Uh, it's just I personally haven't seen it in events to yeah. like commentate on how well it's doing in experience wise. Mm-hmm. But obviously, uh, something's working for these players and the deck as a whole, and we could kind of gauge and guesstimate how and why. And uh, even though I don't necessarily think it has that great of a security control matchup or like 
uh, some other matchups, it is decent into Melga, so if they see more Melgas, then that's going to help propel them. I mean, even just, like, the actual spread of actuality, of likelihood of seeing these decks, like, by most people's personal experience, Melga's close to 50, closer to 50%, if not higher. It doesn't necessarily top as much, but I guess, or at least to that ratio, but a lot of that is friendly fire, you know? How many Melga matchups do people lose to other Melgas? And then half the Melgas trickle down, half the Melgas trickle up. They just filter each other out. But, um, just, like, because I know I personally, in the last event I played in, played against 50% Melga. You played in, how many? About how 50% Melga. About 50% Melga. Um, yeah. And some people seeing even, I mean, it's obviously our individual experiences are anecdotal at best, but... Um, and I was when, even on Melga too, so... That's what I mean, so technically your opponent's at 100% Melga, um, as far as, like, for... like They at least saw one, and it was you every time. But, um... Contributing to the factor. Uh, what I was, I guess, alluding to is just that, um... You know, as we mentioned, like, okay, well, if you prepare for, you know, the top three decks, you're preparing for 50% of the meta. Well, you're top preparing for 50% of the toppings meta... Like, something like Bloomlord, there is enough Melga. The 30% topping, 40% placement point percentage, like, you could reasonably just prepare for Melga, have a good Melga matchup, and that's all you care about. Because you're, you're going to play enough of it, or there is at least a enough of a likelihood that maybe you just only see Melga, and then benefit from that. Yeah. Uh, and, like, there's still these odd like decks out that just are still able to do well which does show the strength of other decks and uh the capabilities of what we currently have even though it is consolidated towards the top uh i mentioned earlier that uh Dorbikmon ended up taking 10th place in one of these events uh if you look at the Dorbik list it is a very very unconventional digimon deck list like it's almost what um machine Dramon wanted to be just lots of good ways to draw cards for super cheap and super easy, and then just hard slam your big boy and shove all of the good inheritables underneath, and then just go to town. Uh, that That is literally Torpikmon in a nutshell, and I love it for being that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's more than one of the non-standard lists I've ever seen. It runs cards it can literally never digivolve into, but you don't care because you're digicrossing anyway. Um, cards, that it, it runs... Uh, three red men boosts and it it misses a decent amount of cards because it runs cards that aren't red not even yeah. partially red just black and blue <laughs> yeah but i mean dorwickmon at the end of the day still is trying to be a big explosive otk based deck where it's just like okay i'm gonna shove everything under i'm gonna swing for all of your security basically twice and then just win the game um which again uh is just not necessarily the name of the format, but like that's it's just doing what it's doing very well, um, better so than some other decks. So, what we're really we need to go from here at least, as far as we now know that you're gonna see Melga pretty much fifty percent of the time, if not more. You know, if you low roll, um, you're gonna see a decent amount of Setcon, a decent amount of Bloom Hydra. And then the rest falls somewhere in between because 
you can't prepare for every matchup, you can't practice every matchup, um, but we're just seeing people starting to pick decks that have previously shown success, and now they're using that to take to move forward. So, with this information, what is you know your primary recommendation for people as far as well? Okay, so Melk is the best deck. What what does that mean that I do? How does that affect me personally? Right. Um, I kind of think like as much as it pains me to say it. I actually kind of think Yellow Hybrids is in a really good position to start attempting to do well. Um, just because I think it has a decent... Uh, I don't know how the Hydra matchup is with mm -hmm. Yellow Hybrids, but just the nature of Hybrids in general is just absolutely ballistic. Uh, if they're running enough removal, they might have to like bide their time and wait a turn to get rid of the Hydramon, try to leave them with as little memory and hope they don't see another one. Um, because after you kill their like main Hydramon, you reasonably shouldn't see another one i'm i'm putting this in giant asterisks just because like uh something we didn't really talk about is like play ratios uh usually when you run three of a card you're gonna see it at least once if you run four you're wanting to see it as often as you possibly can so if most of these decks are running at least three hydromons you could reasonably expect one so once that one is gone there's a safe assertion uh that you're not going to see another one and that's your opportunity to be able to aggress as yellow hybrids because it's still just a hybrid based deck at the end of the day. You're just going to flood the field with tamers and then you're just going to digivolve on top of your tamers when you just have enough damage to just count to five or I guess technically six depending on your chip. Yeah. I know we've seen some previous success in other formats where people were running yellow red hybrid aggro and like even even some lists that were basically just blue hybrids in uh the way they wanted to win the game but they were just running yellow red they were running you know okay well i'm just gonna play a tamer i'm gonna start my turn at eight memory and then i'm just gonna start digivolve for two swing digivolve for two swing digivolve for two swing yeah i mean yellow hybrids does have a lot of decent ways that you could approach the deck which is also why i think like it's actually a decent deck to consider taking into events because uh, some of them are playing Shikuamon just because when Digivolve Recovery, Generic Blanket is still pretty good. Uh, then they teched in Kordramon, um from the starter deck as a good security threat, so that way it pops out. You, you have an easy Digimon to then be able to DNA with. Um, and you don't necessarily care if you have to hard play it if you're sitting at 3 memory and you know you're going to give the opponent 3 memory anyway. Uh, a lot of them are still running Rapidmon just because Rapidmon is good against low-level aggression. Uh, then a lot of them are just kind of a mix between either Shikuamon or uh, Rise Greymon to be able to play their tamers or do what the deck needs and wants to do. Hmm. Yeah. It. I know it. it's frustrating to be someone who comes into a new format and you're expecting to, to see something different. And while there are some people that enjoy that, some people don't necessarily enjoy that because... You know, there's the mind of, I don't want to have to change my deck every two months. And then there's some people who maybe are more familiar with the pace of the current Digimon card game. And now they're like, oh, I'm playing the same deck in, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the same deck. Or if, you know, you were playing Melga, now you're potentially considering just not playing the game because I don't want to play Melga, but I, I really don't have a choice because it's still the best deck. And I don't want to play another three months of mirror matches again 
because everyone else is only playing Melga, and there's nothing really, like, to control its hold on the meta, and as it performs better, it will only get worse, to the point where we're entering, you know, old blue hybrids territory, where it's just, I mean, I know when I saw the the top cut results, I kind of shook my head a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, they they did... We, they, they didn't want us to, to have a problem with cross arts like Japan did, but now we have Melga, 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 Melga. Like, that's that's your top five. So, like, this is just what we're left with. And as someone who doesn't want to play Melga, I'm okay with playing into it. I just wish I had more control over the matchup because a lot of times it's not what I did right. It's just what they didn't see or what they did wrong. And I could wholeheartedly attest to that that is Melga's big downside is if you don't see your stuff, obviously you're moving slower than your opponent, especially if they're firing on oil cylinders, like I've already mentioned. Um, and like it's it feeds into the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, if Melga's the best deck, I just need to play Melga and then everyone's playing Melga and then boom, Melga then becomes the best deck. So uh, not saying like if you're you need to spice it up a little bit, but there are other playable decks that you can consider taking into events, uh, especially if you know the overwhelmingly majority percentage-wise of what you're expected to see is going to be Melga. Like, as uh, one of the Warcraft players from last week and the uh, Xmon player from this week have clearly showed they are very good into Melga, so mm -hmm. the majority of what they saw was Melga, so that just made them win. And that's yeah. why they ended up taking first place, even though they're both not Melga decks. It just becomes um, a point where you have to look to yourself and what, what do you want to get out of the card game? Because if you, if you want just objective success, the answer is you play Melga. Right now, statistically, you just play Melga. Because especially if because you are the best deck, and you are perceived to be the best deck, and as we're seeing, there are decks that are finding ways to beat it. Um, they are, you know, only a couple, and they do it in their own individual ways. But realistically, you are better to beat Melga with Melga, just by being the one who wins the coin flip, so to speak. Like, it's not exactly a coin flip. And honestly, I guess something that we don't necessarily speak to... Um, is that there is still skill and there's still player expression in the piloting of these decks. Um, I know it was something that I wasn't super exposed to, I guess, based on you know the people that I traditionally play with and play against. And one of the uh, players I played into was honestly not that great of a Melka player. And they... I was playing against Melga, and I was seeing the cards they were playing, and I was just... It, it felt off, and it they just kind of didn't do anything. <laughs> it was just really interesting to me as someone who... I, I play a lot against Zenitsu, I played a lot against some of my other teammates, like David Lago, and these are, you know, high-quality Melga players that they know what they're doing, and they, you know, are making the correct decision with the cards they are given more often than not, and yet, I now see that if a Melga player doesn't necessarily make the correct decisions, the deck doesn't play itself exactly. 
there are decisions to be made. I mean, it's not a chess piece, but at the same time, it was it was really refreshing because I 100% would have lost against you. I 100% would have lost against David Lago, and yet I I won the match. And I was playing some Garbo Mastamon Venusmon list that I had thrown together the day of the event, and I was just like, okay, I'm. And the guy did know what Venusmon did. I know you didn't at that time, but. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see Venusmon, to be I honest. Know. And it that was a reasonable expectation to be made. But the point is is that he did knew what it did, and it didn't matter. Because he just, he, you know, he aggressed too early. He, he didn't have all the pieces he needed. He was missing the option card. He couldn't digivolve while attacking. He, unfortunately, at the point where he did finally, you know, start to do things with some pieces that he saw later he played into venusmon knowing what it did asking questions and still just had to play into it and just do nothing and then he was sitting there with a giant stack that just swung for two security checks a turn but it was still one attack a turn it wasn't you know doing a whole lot and you know once you've past that initial window of aggression of, you know, 5-5, five, five, you know, swing, digivolve, swing again. The deck doesn't do a whole lot. Like, all of its aggression's at that lower stages. And that's something that we're seeing here in the results of something we don't traditionally track too much because... um. We're more about, like, just the raw data and the less about, you know, names and faces and more about just, like, decks themselves and just the raw statistical information. But a lot of these names are just continuously reappearing over these events, and a lot of them are playing Melga. And even some players who generally uh, don't necessarily associate them with a particular color, they'll usually just play the best deck, are all switching to Melga. So that's also contributing to Melga's overall success is the quality of players that are also on Melga are doing very well, which is uh, very indicative of what happened in uh, both events, because you have people like Kyle Kemper, you have people like... Uh, David Lago, uh, Dan Vang, just to shout out a couple, Chris Sock. Ryan Doe. They're all on Mega. Yeah, Ryan Doe. They're they're all on Melga. Um, I think there was like one that just topped uh, last week with Melga and then this week with Melga too. Uh, so it's it's the caliber of players that are also on the deck, not necessarily just the deck itself. So, like, while... From an individual person's point of view, like, okay, I'm playing in next week's event. I don't know if there is one next week. Just the, you know, uh, No, the next event is December 10th, and that is the uh, Play TCG was Ultimate Cup, now Regional. So, playing in an online regional, your format is EX3. I want to make it to Nats. What deck do I bring? Unfortunately, it's Melgax. It, it's not a new answer. It's not. There's nothing really super developed about that answer I, I wish there were more um but unfortunately we just with the tools that we have at our disposal um there isn't a whole lot of experimentation to be done in that regard 
the EX3 metagame didn't add a whole lot, like to, to at least encroach upon the strength of what Melga X offers and the kinds of decks that were hurt by the restriction list are the kinds of decks that would have kept, that would have been decks to consider to beat Melga with, basically. Yep, and what we're left with in order to beat Melga isn't necessarily super overwhelmingly favored in that matchup. It could do it, uh, but again, if Melga just is the aggressive deck and it sees all of its parts and pieces and firing on all cylinders, then it could. It doesn't necessarily matter the matchup, it just does what it does. Uh, and that sometimes is just all she writes. Mm-hmm. Um... It's yeah, it's, it's it's just the downside of the the world we live in. It's downside of the card game being at its power ceiling from a total power budget perspective. Currently peaking at BT nine, the decks that would have passed it for BT ten have been kneecapped, especially for the time being. So they are nowhere near the power budget of Melga X. You know, as Siditsu mentioned, like, the Alpha Mon matchup was something they had to worry about, they no longer do. The Yellow Hybrid matchup was something they have to worry about. It's still worse, and they still do, but because it's worse, they can win often enough. People aren't playing it versus, the you know, the other matchups people happen to see. Maybe Yellow Hybrid does make a, a you know, a, a kind of a comeback as far as it can still do things. Hey, I used to play that deck. Hey, you know, I, it, I know it's only got one Jit Sylphie and one Sunrise Buster, but... If it still does well in the Melga X, if it, you know we just switch out, it looks as though um, I'm looking at the 14th place list. You just swap out the Sunrise Buster for Lonke Estados or Adistado. Ah, oh, god, that, that card's so hard to Lonke Adistado. Yeah, that. So you just run three of those instead of the three additional copies of Sunrise Buster. You run some Shaku. Like this list actually is is exactly that. This list doesn't do anything crazy that the deck has tried to do in the past of maybe we run Lopmon, maybe we run you know other things and this deck is just BT7 yellow hybrids replacing the cards that no longer exist with cards that do exist. Yep. And uh that's not necessarily to discredit anything. It just shows that like sometimes good packages are still good packages. And honestly good on that player for making that hard call of like no no the deck still does exactly what it used to do i i'm just going to replace the cards for the functional replacement okay jet Sylphie used to you know digivolve for one recover one i'm gonna run shakuman who will digivolve for four and recover one and i'll still win and now yep. i'll run lanke arisdako which you know doesn't play a tamer for free but it's minus 12, and if I have three or fewer security, it's chaos degradation. Like... <laughs> and if you're at exactly three, then it's both. It, it's both. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, Sunrise Buster would, would have been a good power way for the deck to turbo out, but it still runs, like, the same tamers that it would be running in BT-8, BT, or I guess BT-9, because it was running the, the dual tamer. Um, yeah, the Tyankari, or, yeah, Tyankari. But I, it's something we did mention in other um, past episodes, maybe, but Yellow Hybrid was the big bad of BT-10 
just outside of Crosshearts. Obviously, Crosshearts was, you know, the name of the game, whatever, but Yellow Hybrid, it, it was far behind statistically, but in presence and style of deck, it occupied essentially the same category because both decks utilized Sunrise Buster, both decks utilized a bunch of Tamers, and they just did the same thing in different ways as far as how they won their games. And so for Yellow Hybrid to come back running the exact same package that it used to run, I mean, maybe it means I, I break out my Yellow Hybrid pieces because I had retired the color, you know, a little while well, ago. It, it, it's going back to the grandest example. It just goes to show that the environment allows for that type of a deck to thrive. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jespon, as another big uh, deck that people like uh, to play, isn't doing so well, probably because, again, the environment. Melga just eats it alive, so therefore it is mm -hmm. a bad deck currently, and therefore it's not making it into tops, because if the majority of what they're seeing is Melga and they're losing to Melga, well, there you go. You you already have your answer, and it makes sense on why it's not doing so well. Yeah, and I, I haven't played against a Jessmon in a little while, but I had played into Jessmon in like some of the first couple of weeks of ex3 and i think it's it's exactly that people are, like the more people play melga the fewer people are going to play jessmon and honestly the more people that are also going to swap to something like a wargray x a gallant if they really want to but more and more really war or even x, black wargray x yeah black wargraymon yeah they're now they're gonna you know you can play gaiamon so um we're, we're just this is the natural consolidation period that comes with the stabilization of a meta. And now is where we see if this stabiliz this initial stabilization is correct and accurate to the time. Um, anyone that's, you know, followed any amount of, like, the, the worlds of League of Legends as an example of, like, they play on a single patch with every character having the exact same stats for a whole month. But if you look at what people are playing and what people are banning in the first week and the last week, wildly different. There is a development of the meta that occurs based upon what is being played and what is perceived as something that is good into what is being played. So even if the numbers don't change, you know, the cards aren't getting any better or worse, something like Grandis becomes unplayable in a world that is, I only play into Melga X and Setcon. Yep. And that's generally how a meta forms is you'll have your top few decks that are going to uh, obviously duke it out with each other and then warp what is allowed to be played into them as far as the lesser decks are concerned. So yes. anything like your Mastimons, your Imperials, your Gallants, your Dorbix, Armor Rushes, uh, Blue Flares, of the likes, like those are your uh, secondary or tertiary decks that aren't necessarily going to see as much success because they rely so much on their opponents and uh, like what their opponents would be bringing. So like I know for a fact that Blue Flares, as another example, um, sorry for another tangent, uh, but uh, it's really good into security control, but really bad into Melga. So if I'm farming the security control players, um, I'm in a good spot. If I see the Melka players, I'm in a bad spot. Uh, and that's just kind of the decisions that you have to make going into these types of metas is like, 
what deck do I want to bring if I'm not the top X few decks? And um, it, it's actually interesting that you brought up Blue Flares because I even saw a post on Reddit earlier today that was just like, you know, my locals has recently become all SecCon, so it just it was just a deck list of Blue Flares. So it there it, there are ways to respond to the environment, and um, we will see if anyone else comes up with any. Maybe Yellow Hybrids does make. A comeback maybe it, it pushes down on the melga a little bit um only time will tell but uh if nothing if no other deck just kind of shows up in the next event and takes it by storm um kind of the way that war gray x did but it was the first event so it wasn't necessarily as impactful i know we kind of we talked about it as it was because i hoped it had it hoped it would catch on more than it maybe had did or hope that it would catch on more given the success because if the big takeaway from an event is eight melga x three war gray x and everyone's talking about the war gray x that kind of just tells you about the uh pulse of the environment like okay we expected the eight melga x but the three war gray x now that's really interesting like what were they doing and, you know, how are they winning? And, like, I thought that deck beat, like, lost to Melga X. And, like, okay, well, maybe it doesn't have to lose. You know, maybe there are lines of play or deck uh, considerations to be made that make it a favorable matchup. Or maybe it's just a practice thing. Like, I guess that's just lines of play. But, like, if I just practice the matchup and I know I'm only going to play into it, into Melga X, then, and if I happen to see a Setcon and they don't see a Venus, I just, it's a free win. So, I just get really good at this one matchup, and as long as there are decks that can do that, you know, when pilot are built in a certain way, you'll see some movement along the other decks that are included alongside Melga, but Melga's really not going anywhere, not without a strict, uh, you know, format change or a restriction announcement, because as long as it continues to do well, people will continue to play it, and as long as people continue to play it, it will continue to show up. Yep. And unfortunately, I think based on where we are uh, event-wise and timeline-wise, I don't think Melga is going to get hit anytime soon, no, unfortunately. As as much as people are wishing and hoping it gets hit, it's not going to go anywhere. Because uh, obviously, so far, they've been banning things based on Japanese percentage and representation and, and all that stuff. They do restrictions at the start of event uh, formats, as we've seen. Like They, they haven't hit anything mid-format for us so correct until the like actual regardless of when the announcement occurs if there's an announcement the the latest we see an actual implementation of a restriction is the start of bt11 which is well outside of our you know the next couple months yep so uh get ready to uh clench your butt for some more (laughs) melga Uh, because that's just going to be the majority of what you would see at these larger events. Uh, Again, being a person coming from a Melga player, it isn't as doom and gloom as it sounds. I'm not steamrolling or stomping over my opponent. Usually, um, there are some back and forth to be made depending on how fast I see my pieces and when I see my pieces. So it it's not a blowout. It's not like the game is going to die just because this one deck seems to be doing really, really well. Um, 
there is ways to be able to play it, play against it, and um, obviously we have more of this meta to see how it develops and shapes with the knowledge that Melga is the best deck in the format. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily say that it's even like super doom and gloom, only because it's not unexpected. While no, like most obviously people's when you perceptions, hit the... like, okay, these are the decks that got hurt, these are the decks that didn't, Melga was a great deck last format, it's now a great deck this format. It's just the environment around it has changed, so we're seeing it do, uh, it perform at even higher numbers than it did previously. Um, but I think that given the access that we have at the moment and you're just you're going to have to lean into the fact that Nelga X does have exploitable like lines of play I guess it, it it's something that you like given that it is the number one deck you can just more than you could previously like you don't have to prepare for two three matchup four matchups you can just really dig into whatever you're playing and if you have some tech tools and options to deal with Melga, then it's something that you can expect to potentially do well with when you approach one of these longer form events. Yep. Uh, I don't know how many more longer form events that we have going into the rest of EX3. Uh, obviously, there's probably going to be a dip after this uh, next regional on December 10th, uh, we're probably not going to see anything till maybe uh, mid to late January. Uh, and then I don't think they're gonna, there's going to be anything in February outside of literally Nationals, which is going to be the next format. So we don't have too, too long Hopefully. in big Still competitive not necessarily play. Guaranteed. Yeah, not necessarily guaranteed. Giant asterisks on all that. This is just my personal opinion. Um, but... Um, I don't think necessarily in big long form events we're going to be seeing too many more of them. Obviously, locals is a completely different environment. You should always prep and prepare for your locals. Obviously, Melga is a good deck to take into locals. Um, but uh, just get a read on what deck you feel like you want to play and make sure that you know what matchups you're going to be facing off against and then prepare yourself for those matchups as these other top decks have. That being said, too, um, so without with the holidays approaching and the longer form events not being as prevalent, and so that the meta is kind of what it is, um, that gives us the opportunity to um, offer specific, more direct, analytical critique of the decks in the environment of EX3. Um, so the next couple of weeks... Um, we're going to start, you know, going down the list of the decks that we have personally put time and investment into as far as more specific details on those decks. Like, so, I mean, we talk a lot about Melga X, but we still haven't done a full, you know, how, I guess, more so the how and less the why. And that's something that we're going to be doing with the decks that we've practiced and the decks we're experienced on just to give more of that deep understanding of at least where we're coming from and what we've learned. Um, we're not perfect. We're not 
you know, entirely correct and everything, but it at least gives us the ability to speak to what we know and our thoughts on why we make the decisions we make when it comes to this deck versus that deck, um, but really kind of confined to the decks that we do know what we're talking about. So, like, I, I we can't talk to something like Wargrey X or Gallant or D-Brigades, because we, we don't really play those decks. Like, we can, at least from an analytical standpoint, observe why we perceive them to be doing well, but we're going to speak to the decks that we've piloted ourselves, and we're going to be able to go through different matchups. So, if there's any decks that you guys want to see us talk about, or at least just mention, we can at least bring up whether we have or have not had experiences with those lists. I know Zanitsu's already mentioned how he doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, Bloomlord Hydra experience with Melga himself, so that's kind of a gap in his knowledge right now. I mean, if I see one, I'll be very happy to play against him. <laughs> yeah. Or or them, I a lot should of, say. A lot of mirror talk, honestly. You'll be able to speak more to the mirror. At least uh, as far as... That's not really like... much of a talk, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's something that we'll be experimenting with moving forward. Um, we'll see how well that does, and if, if anyone's really interested in that sort of content, obviously it will potentially be speaking to an even smaller sub-base of people because we're just going to be talking about one deck for maybe an hour or so. If you don't play that deck or don't care, it may be something that less people will be interested. I mean, it also can, even if you don't play it, uh, which is why I like doing a lot of deck profiles. It still gives you insight as far as what the deck is doing. And then you could figure out, oh, this is what the deck is doing. So this is what I need to do to counter it. Uh, yeah. I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily speak on exactly how to counter it outside of just telling you, oh, my deck does X. So you need to do Y. Um, but obviously card games are more complicated than that per se. I know it's something that, I've kind of taken as a rule of thumb for myself of like, because I know, like, I feel like everyone has that friend that like, when I used to play like League of Legends and someone would say, oh, this character is super busted. Like, okay, play it for 10 games and then come back to me and tell me how broken it is because you play it yourself and you can, it's a lot easier to pick apart something that you're more familiar with from your perspective. Like, oh, my opponent was just so broken and they did this crazy play but after playing it yourself you at least can maybe see more of its flaws and believe me that's why i think like even though melgax is currently the top deck i still think there's a lot of flaws inside of melga and that's why i keep saying my games are usually never blowouts mm -hmm. uh that's all the time we have for today um Make sure to leave your questions and comments in the description box below on Zanitsu's YouTube channel if you're a podcast listener. And with that, we are out. Peace.